What is cooking, everyone? It's scriptwriter Steve. Here's my podcast, Barbecue Two Movies, where I talk about anything that's on my mind. And you know, again, lately, not much about barbecue, not much about movies. Even though I've been um watched a few movies here and there, and uh, you know what? Um, you know, before I get started, why don't we talk about barbecue and movies right now? Um, here's something really cool. Well, anyway, you know, if, if you like pork spare ribs, it's on sale for a dollar seventy nine over at Walmart right now. Um, I forgot who who is the who makes it, but it's frozen. It's pre, it's it's not defrosted. It's not fresh, but it's over at Walmart. A dollar seventy nine a pound. I I got it at dollar forty nine a pound, which is which is actually pretty darn good. I mean that is really cheap, and they're really big meaty spare ribs, which is great. And by the way, if you're if you ever want to cook pork pork ribs, you want to use spare ribs. You don't want to use baby back ribs because there's hardly any meat on baby back ribs. And um, <laughs> here's here's a really cool thing. Um, I had, uh, I guess, uh, a pack of spare ribs already in the freezer. I defrosted it. And this is from the previous time from when Walmart actually had it on sale. Um, I used this one and then bought another bought another spare spare ribs <laughs> it's like a spare tire put that in the freezer to replace the one i just cooked it's kind of like you know in, you know in case of barbecue pop the freezer open right <laughs> so, but anyway um i i had just cleaned my barbecue uh, my smoker so i really i had it all packed up and neat on the side and i really didn't want to you know you know uh smoke any anything more because i just didn't want to clean the clean my grill again um, not that it's hard to clean the grills. I should do a podcast on how to clean the grills, but it's really not that hard. Um, but, um, it's just that I had everything packed away and all. It's like when you first wash your car, you don't want to take it out for another drive. Right. And, um, so I decided I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tenderize this. I'm not going to add any salt or any pepper. I'm going to tenderize this and then I'm going to make a few Chinese dishes with the, just the meat. I'm going to debone it and everything like that. Right. So I, I, I just wrapped it up in foil, popped it into the oven, and cooked it till it hit about 203, and then I started to debone it. Of course, you know, as your habit, you always want to, you know, sample some of that meat, right? Some of that pork uh, after it cooked. And guess what? Just spare ribs alone. No salt, no sugar, no nothing added. We're talking, all I did was foil it up and put it into the, into, put it into the oven and cooked it till it was 203, 205. It tastes pretty darn good. It tastes actually pretty good. I, in fact, I would even say that I, th- I think I would be tempted just to eat it the way it is right now uh, without any seasoning. Um, I, I gave some to my mom and she said, wow, this tastes really good. I had my father try it and of course he had to add barbecue sauce to it, but he said it was still pretty tasty. So here's what I'm thinking. You know, you really don't have to, I think you really don't have to season I guess ribs too much to actually get it to a point where it's um I guess it's really really good. Um I, and I guess I mean I'm not sure why that is. Uh I guess naturally it just tastes really good. Isn't that kind of inter- interesting? So I made it two different ways, you know, two different Chinese styles. I made it one is a sweet sour spare rib version which is a Chinese dish and the other one is a black bean spare rib version with uh which we call chow fun. And both were both was very very good, um, and uh, it's a lot the way I made it because I deboned it. I made it with there's a lot more nice big cubes of pork in there than if you would usually get this at a Chinese restaurant. If you would get this at a Chinese restaurant, you would get these little pieces of pork in there, 
and it wouldn't really be. And then you have a little, a little uh, piece of cartilage in there with the spare rib cartilage, right? And it really wouldn't be as satisfying, to be honest. So, um, yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, if, if you just want to try, if you're in a hurry and you just want to get some spare ribs out on the table, you don't want to pull out your, your smoker, just wrap it in foil and put it into the oven. Cook it till it's 203 and then put some barbecue sauce on there if you want. But even cook it without there. You, I think you could just brown it on both sides, you know, it, and then it'll be fine. It actually will be fine if you just, you know, put it on top of, not the grill per se, but maybe, um, you know, broil it after you, after you get like a, get it tender, just, you know, open it, turn on the broiler, get it a little brown on there. And uh, I think it'll turn out actually, actually not too bad. Uh, it won't be, it won't be as good as smoking, but it, it won't be that bad. It won't be that bad. Um, okay. Now we're going to talk about, before I get into all my politics things here, I want to talk about, uh. Um, I've been watching One Division on Disney Plus, and if you haven't seen this um, show, you have to start watching this. And I know the first two episodes, people actually they started to, to tune out. I have to say, this is some of the most intelligent screenwriting that I've seen in a long time applied to a live action, um, I guess, series. Uh, each episode is not very long, about twenty two minutes, but they're written. They're, each episode has so many layers and just layers and layers of stories set up in payoffs. Um, and it's written with so much carefulness. You know for a fact that they wrote this show, this episodic series, and they kept rewriting it, rewriting it, and rewriting it, how they should do with any episodic series. And they, it is just packed and packed and packed with story. This is what I would expect The Mandalorian to be like. Uh, this is what the amazing Spider-Man, that cartoon I was talking about, or Harley Quinn. Uh, this is what I, I see. It is the same type of storytelling which I see in a lot of cartoon series. Even Scooby-Doo, um, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, <laughs> is written with this type of carefulness. This is, this is, really, good, this is really good screenwriting. Um, it's like almost like watching an episode of the O24 shows. I'm not sure if you remember those O24 shows on, on, on TV. They're just written with just preciseness and, you know, almost to a fact that you could actually turn off your TV and you'll be, oh yeah, you're, for, you're 45 minutes and 24 seconds in. You know, pretty interesting thing. So, so, um, yeah, you have to check out WandaVision. I don't want to tell you any, uh, spoilers, but it's getting really interesting. Uh, and just know that. Just work your way through the first two shows, all right? I know it, you may be thinking, what the hell am I watching? But that's part of the point. Every jump cut, every loophole, every, every plot hole, that's done on purpose. It's done on purpose, and then there's a payoff later on. Um, and the pay, you don't have to wait a long time. And it's one of these shows where after you're, you kind of figure out what's going on, you kind of want to go back and watch the first couple episodes because on the payoff happens in episode four. What's happening in episode one and two is being paid off in, in, in episode four. And in fact, episode one, two, and three is being paid off in episode four. And after what you watch episode four, you, you really want to just circle back. Oh my God, I use a circle back word. Oh, geez. They should ban that word after that one new press secretary keeps saying it. Anyway, you do want to circle back, uh, back to episode one and just really look at it and i'm gonna look do it again i guess watch all four episodes again and i'm gonna pay close to uh, close attention to the commercials 
that are actually in these uh, first two episodes because they make it as though you're watching a television show with old-fashioned commercials. But I think those commercials aren't just in, in it for uh, no reason. Um, there's, some, there's some type of payoff to those commercials. Okay? Anyway, I want to talk about, uh, as far as politics go, I'm going to go... You, I'm going to go straight into politics right after these messages, but um, I want to talk about building back better. Um, I really don't understand what building back better is. Maybe you do. Maybe you can educate me on that. Um, but build back better. Uh, this is Joe Biden's slogan, his play on "Make America Great Again." Right. Um, let's get straight into this. I want to. I want to start talking about the things that they want to save. I guess save us from and make sure that people like me. We're talking Asian minorities, right? Because I'm one of the minorities out there that, uh, I guess, how they want to build back America better for people like me, apparently. They want, they want to focus on minorities because apparently there's not enough. Everyone doesn't need help. Apparently only minorities need help. <laughs> okay. Right after these messages, guys. Hold on. Alrighty, everyone. I am back. It is time to start talking about building back better and what Joe Biden means by all of this. Okay, so there, there's about five um, points to building back better. I'm going to go over them one by one. Um, there's systemic racism, white supremacy, climate change, and domestic terrorism, last one being the pandemic. So let's go over this one by one. Systemic racism, white supremacy. I think they both have to do with, with the same things. Uh, well, first of all, who the hell wants any of that in our country, right? I don't like I mean, I hate, there's no reason for white supremacy or even racism. There's no, there, there's no justification to have any type of ra racial supremacy at all. And um, right, right now, you know, from my perspective, okay, this is only my personal opinion. And I'm speaking as a minority, a minority who's traveled across America. I have not experienced racism at all. I've talked to a lot of my friends who are also minorities. They have never experienced racism whatsoever. Now, I have talked to some African-Americans who said that they've actually experienced racist cops, uh, racist, and they believe they, they were stopped just because of their skin color and treated badly because of their skin color. Um, you know, I just have to take the word for it. Maybe there is, maybe the cops do in, the, in that area, do target them because of their skin color. And maybe they they did run into a racist cop. You know, I'm not going to doubt their story. Here's the thing: Are cops altogether as a system racist? I don't think so. Are there bad cops? Yes. Are there racist cops? I believe so. Are there racist people in America? Yeah, I really do. And I think racism isn't exclusive to any single race. And you know, they they keep saying white supremacy. No, every single race out there can be very racist. And by the way, the Asian culture is very, very racist against blacks. I'll be very clear about that, right? The Chinese, the Koreans, even the Japanese, a lot of them don't like blacks. So don't think that, hey, it's only the white people who don't like blacks, okay? It is, you know, there is racism out there. Now here in America though, we're a melting pot. Um, you know, before, you know, maybe back in the 1970s, we're, we were not as much of a melting pot. Now we are. And uh, here's my thing. I don't think, you know, America isn't, is, doesn't have a lot of systems in place, okay? 
there are no systems to actually uh, uh, to guarantee success or to guarantee failure. Uh, it's everything is kind of up to you. Now, people are born with more privileges than others. Like, say, for example, if you're born into a rich family, um, a very very rich family, like say for the Trumps, we would just use, we use for example, we use Donald Trump. There are definitely privileges of having the last name Trump and being born to a billionaire, definitely, uh, versus being born into a ghetto where there's gang violence and everywhere, right? There's definitely a real big privilege of myself of having a privilege of being born into a family where my parents are still together. They're not divorced. So, uh, you know, being born into a, a family of, you have one mother and one father and, and a successful marriage that's almost a rarity in America. In fact, most of my friends don't have that privilege, right? And this is why some of them may you know, have abandoned, feelings of abandonment. I had a friend who, um, who was a victim, who was actually a rape child. Uh, you know, her mother didn't want her and neither did her father. So she had to actually live with her aunt and was raised with this feeling of abandonment her entire life. It's horrible. It's really, really horrible. But that girl still ended up becoming very, very successful. She didn't join a gang. Instead of joining a gang, she joined a church. And the church became her foundation, her rock. Um, so anyway, does systemic racism exist as a system? Now, they're saying as a system. I don't think so. You know, I, I've heard stories that say, oh, blacks were not allowed to get loans. Okay, fine. That one branch, maybe that one bank or that one branch or that one teller or that one or that one uh, president of that bank is a racist. But as a system, as a whole, all banks across America are gamed against you because of your skin color? I don't think so. I really, really don't. Um, and, I, and I could see it now when George Floyd happened and a lot of people were, fe were fed the narrative that that was a racist white cop and he was killed because of his co the color of his skin. Everyone, everyone, including myself, said, whoa, that is bad. That is horrible. If that was the truth. And by the way, lo and behold, that's not the truth. Okay. As hard as for you to, to hear that, George Floyd most likely did not die from asphyxiation from that guy's shin. That was part of the policy. That guy who, who was doing it, most he's not a racist. He was George Floyd was not put over the on the side of the road because he was black. And he was saying, I can't breathe before he hit the ground. He was saying, I can't breathe when he was in the back seat of an SUV. And George Floyd was being a very difficult person, a very difficult person, not complying. And, that's, and he was high on drugs, high on fentanyl and a lot of other things. In fact, to a point where that could have caused a reaction to, to, be, uh, to kill him. And uh, most, more than likely, he may have died from that. And maybe a combination of, of them putting him on top of his chest and, and making a, things a little bit more difficult. So that is a full context of it. And by the way, they hid that. The Democrats hid it in that state. They hid that in that city and state. They hid the, the, um, the, the police camera. That, what, did, what did they call that? Um, the, the, one that? The camera that they put on top of their, their vest, right? I forgot what they call that. Uh, but they hid that from the public. And only released it after someone who saw it, videotaped it on their cell phone, and then released it online. If it wasn't for that one courageous person, you would never know the full story. But you know, lo and behold, 
the full the 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 lie the version of that Black Lives Matter toad out there, which is false, has already been imprinted into people's emotions, and once people's emotions are already imprinted, they don't want to turn back. So does systemic racism exist in America? I don't think so. So again, building back better is kind of like, you know, is kind of a fictional thing, like with, with system, systemic racism, right? How can you fix something that doesn't exist? Well, it's pretty easy. You just don't talk about it. Or say you beat it and don't even do anything. Or create policies that really don't do anything to change the way the world operates because there's nothing to be fixed, right? And this is the thing with every single talking point he has here for building back better. None of these problems truly exist. White supremacy. White supremacy is just code word for Donald Trump supporter. Okay? We were labeled as white supremacist. I was called a white supremacist and I'm 100% Chinese. I know a lot of my friends who are 100% Asian. Okay? Koreans. You know, Th- you know, people from Thailand. All those people right there. Even Filipinos. Who support Trump were considered white supremacists because we said, hey, we, we, we voted for Trump. <laughs> it's crazy, Right? Does our country have a white supremacy problem? Absolutely not. Absolutely. I haven't ran into one racist my entire life. I I want you to ask yourself a question. Do you run into racist left and right where it's so much you're saying, wow, this is a problem. There's just white supremacy everywhere. Absolutely not. Now, does it exist? I, (laughs) you know, if pedophiles exist, which is the greatest sin of all time, white supremacists still exist, right? If murderers exist, white supremacists exist. So I'm sure there are crazy people out there who are white supremacists. But is it a huge problem? Absolutely not. No. No. Now, here's the thing. I have seen some people who, who just yell racist in a crowded country. You know, they think everything's racist. I was, you know, funny story. Um, I, had, I had a friend over in California, and he's a black guy, and um, he asked me, can, can you take a look at the script? Now, back this is back when I was a screenwriter. I was only about 20-something years, 20-something years old. And he wrote, it, w- it was basically a piece of crap, you know, um, to be honest with you. But I didn't tell him it was a piece of crap. I said, I told him, you know, you, you need to fix A, B, and C, and this, and here, and everything. He looked at me in my eye, and he said, Steve, why do you have to be such a racist for I said, what do you mean? I just told you the things you fixed. He said, Steve, apparently, you know, I have nothing wrong with my writing. You're a racist for, like, not seeing my genius. <laughs> yeah, oh, long story short, he didn't go anywhere. You know, you know someone else took a look at his script, and, he, and they said, you know, dude, this is, like, not good. Um, they never said dude, but I'm, I'm kind of censoring his name here. <laughs> so, again, I don't think white supremacy actually exists. How can white, you know, here's the thing. If you actually hate black people, all right, and, and if you're a, you're a racist and you hate blacks, you've missed out on so much of the good things in, in America. I mean, how can you be a racist and, and enjoy the NFL? I mean, really? I mean, how can you be a racist and enjoy the NFL? How can you enjoy basketball? That means you missed out on Michael Jordan? You missed, you missed out on Patrick Mahomes, Randy Moss, Randall Cunningham, 
you know, and just all these, all this great play, Reggie White. I can keep going on and on and on. You don't like the four tops. You don't, you don't like Michael Jackson. You don't like Snoop Doggy Dog. I mean, if you're a racist, you must be hating life because there are so many talented black people out there that make, that actually make life a lot more enjoyable. You know, when, you know, when you, when you're stressed out or anything, you want to go watch television. Well, what do you do? You watch black people play football. You watch, you watch, you know, the, you know, you watch rap music, you listen to rap music, you know, some of the best dance music or the best dances were created by blacks, Right. Oh, we're watching Michael Jackson dance, right? You know, do the, do the moonwalk and pop and all that stuff. How can you be, how can you be a, a white supremacist or, or even, you know, a person who, who hates blacks and, and live in America or enjoy life? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay, so on to the next subject. Because I, I think those are just like two, you know, Joe Biden is just going to solve this by doing doing nothing. So he'll build back better by, you know, putting these little, what they'll do is they'll create these little programs and then they'll say, we, we solved it. That's all that's going to happen, you know? And then the liberals are going to say, look at Joe Biden. He just solved systemic racism and white supremacy. And how did they solve it? They'll, technically, they just stopped talking about it. Really? You know? Or just tell you they solved it. It's going to be that easy for them. Climate change. <laughs> this is my thing. Right now, to believe that a minor greenhouse gas that makes up less than one one hundredth of the of, of the of the atmosphere can actually cause the Earth to basically boil over, um, I don't believe it. I really don't believe it. I am not a climate denier. I just believe that that's not the truth. <laughs> that's not the truth. Now, I believe that climate change is being used as a bait and switch to push a lot of other policies. Um, it has become a darling of the left now, for some reason that a lot of people believe that if we join in on the Paris Climate, climate Accord, uh, that you know, we're, you know, the earth will be saved. Well, here's some news for you. Even though Donald Trump dropped out, dropped out of the Paris Climate Accord, our CO2 emissions have gone way down dramatically way down versus the people who are actually part of the Paris Climate Accord. Now, the Climate Accord, just to let you know, is not a treaty. All of the nations have not agreed on a single treaty to cut their carbon emissions or their carbon footprint. Every It's called an accord because every single country out there has agreed to their own, to their own treaty. All right? They make their own rules. And by the way, there's no enforcement on those rules if they break it. It's basically your honor. That's it. Your country's honor. Imagine if we played football games this way. We only call pass interference. We don't have referees on the field. Everyone self-governs. So you're gonna like so basically you're gonna have a you're gonna have a, a defender, like right, you're gonna have a cornerback, right, who will interfere with someone. And then the receiver will say, hey, wait a minute, I think you interfered, but you better call yourself on that, inter that, that past interference. And the guy says, no, I don't think so. I think I played it perfect. There's no referee on the, on the field, by the way. Again, you call your own penalties. Imagine that at a football game. Everyone calls their own penalty, penalties. You think offensive linemen are going to call their own holding penalties? Right? I don't think even the quarterback will call his own delay of game penalties. 
but apparently in a Paris Accord for something such as an existential threat such as climate change, we're having peop- countries referee themselves and call their own penalties. <laughs> the game of climate change isn't as important as a, game, as, as a game of football. You get it? It's all a ruse. China and India, which are the two largest polluters of not only CO2, we're talking just flat-out pollution, all right? CO2 is actually, is actually the least of your problems. All of the other particulates that they use to burn, like um, burn coals with, that actually causes more damage, like sulfur and, you know, sulfur dioxide, which is acid rain. You know, th- why isn't there a... Why isn't there like something to actually stop the acid rain from getting into the ozone or getting into the stratosphere and then and then poisoning the drinking water table or killing fish? It actually does that. But no, all they care about is not sulfur dioxide. They all they all they care about is carbon dioxide. In fact, carbon monoxide, they don't even really think there's anything wrong with that. Isn't that strange? But anyway, climate change, I think if you do your research into that, you'll find that it's a lot more, it should be a lot more controversial than it actually is, right? Uh, right now, there's too much agreement in it. And again, it's, I think it's just a bait and switch. Why would you just let India and China just go and do what you want? And then here we are, United States and all the other, other, other countries, we have to be you know, a lot more strict with ourselves. It doesn't make any sense. And that's why I call BS on that. Okay. So, domestic terrorism. This should be tied in again. They they tie this in with white supremacy. Domestic terrorism, unfortunately, they're not calling, they're not counting Black Lives Matter, which is a domestic terrorist organization, if you ask me. Uh, Antifa. Now, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, by the way, they're both hand in hand. I know a lot of you folks out there say, hey, you know what, Steve? We really like Black, Black Lives Matter. I like the slogan, Black Lives Matter. But you go look into their organization. Look into their organization and look what they do for black lives. And take in mind, they raised billions and billions of dollars for themselves. Remember, all these celebrities donated to Black Lives Matter. These companies, Nike, everyone do- donated to Black Lives Matter. Look at what they did with the money. For the black community, absolutely nothing. Did they build? Did they actually build like um you know uh, a playground for for your your neighborhood? Maybe create programs for the blacks in your neighborhood. Black Lives Matter, absolutely not. Were they there when someone in your neighborhood got shot by a gang member? Absolutely not. Are they doing anything to help young youth, black youth, from stopping from joining a gang? Because that's the most important thing, right? Are they helping single black mothers? Absolutely not. No. The Black Lives Matter organization does absolutely nothing for black lives. Good slogan, bad follow-through, right? And I, if they had a good follow-through, man, I would be there with them, okay? And, uh, and I, I would just change the whole name Black Lives Matter because I think it's very alienating to other people. We're all Americans. It should be American Lives Matter, right? We're, you know, I don't care. Black, Asian... White, I don't care. We're all the same. We're Americans. Let's stop segregating our each other. You're not better. I'm not better than you. Everyone's all the same, right? I mean, not everyone's all the same. Equal, equal rights, equal opportunities. I'm all for that. 
But let's stop with this reparation talk. Stop looking at our past. You know, stop saying, oh, slavery, slavery, slavery. Every single race out there was enslaved at one time. You look in the Bible. The Jews were enslaved. White people were actually enslaved, even brought to America at one time, and actually were enslaved. Could you imagine that? <laughs> it's, not just, it's not just the blacks. And by the way, you look into the Atlantic slave trade, which again, which is the West Africans, a lot of those West Africans were enslaved by blacks and then sold to America. So, you, you know, it's not a nice story. It's a very, you know, back then, you know, as America, you know, I don't believe in evolution, but one thing ha that has evolved was just decency, human decency. That has evolved. Um, you know, and humans were still evolving at that time. And slavery was very common all the way back to the Bible in the biblical time. Very, very common. And as, as America, as, as the, the, nation, the world just grew, and then America came to fruition, you know, slavery ended. Do you know that we're the only country in the world to ever go to war with itself to end slavery? The only one. Other nations did not go to war with itself, you know, kill to send soldiers to die. And you want to talk about reparations, right? What about the hundreds of thousands of white soldiers who sacrificed their lives to end slavery? What That must count for something. That has to count for something. They fought for blacks to have freedom and they died for it. You don't forget that. So if you're black, don't forget that, right? Don't don't really forget. I, I, and also, they also fought for the freedom for everyone. Now, again, after the Civil War, we still had a lot more to go because you know people just don't change overnight. You know, people they stay idiots for a while. And trust me, racism. You know, to believe in racism, you got to be some sort of idiot, right? I mean, the racists back then. We're idiots. And if there's racists right now, they're idiots. They're flat-out idiots. If they think they're better than you just because of the color of, your, of their skin, they're flat-out idiots, right? But again, we have to stop with this racism talk. We're all Americans. You know, we shouldn't be, I shouldn't be Asian-American. You shouldn't be African-American. We should just be Americans. When people look at you, they should say, hey, they look at your accent, right? And everything. You sound like an American. You don't sound like an African. You're African-American. I have friends who are African, who are in Africa. They don't sound like you, okay? You know, you, you sound American. I don't sound like an Asian. I don't sound, I'm Chinese. I don't sound like a Chinese. I'm American, right? I don't believe in anything China believes in, and you don't believe anything in Africa, because there's, there's parts in Africa you don't want to believe in, because, you know, there's Africa's like, you know, there's parts in Africa that are really, really bad. Okay. So domestic terrorism, who wants that in our nation? No one. But again, who are they labeling as domestic terrorists? They're labeling Trump supporters. So by the way, systemic racism, white supremacy, and domestic terrorism, that's all different names for, for Trump supporters, by the way. It has nothing to do with actually ending true racism, white supremacy, or domestic terrorism. Now, here's the thing, the pandemic. Let's go on the last one, the pandemic. Huh. 
COVID was bad. COVID is bad, right? Um, it's highly, highly infectious. For the elderly, it's really bad. I think the average age, though, of death of here in America is 85. There have been younger people who have died from it. Um, there's a lot of people who have died from it because the doctors are just flat out stupid and don't treat it. That's my biggest thing. I know there's like so many different, I guess, ways to get to get treated and they're not treating it as aggressively as they should and as early as they should. They wait for things to progress to a point where if you have a hard time breathing, you better go see the doctor. No, you go see the doctor right away and they, they should put you on hydroxychloroquine right away. You know, they should put you on uh, an, an antibody, synthetic antibody right away, right? But anyway, this pandemic, the worst side effect has not been COVID. It's been the, the democratic solutions to it. The lockdowns, the lockdowns cost, I'll just talk from my personal point of view. The lockdowns have cost myself, you know, my financial well-being, all right? I went from doing, you know, 15 to 20 weddings per month to maybe doing two, okay? That's not good. A lot of companies have lost their entire livelihood. Um, in order to survive, you know, I had to take out loans. I had to create debt for this quote-unquote pandemic that really wouldn't have affected me. You know, a lot of people had to put their marriages, their love on hold for years. And, and they may still be putting on hold, on hold right? The, the party, the things that they planned for their entire life, you know, they had to put that on hold. And understandably... You know, we were dealing with a pandemic, but still yet we could be, here's the thing. The numbers are higher in America, even though the numbers are going down, the numbers are higher than it was ever. And when the numbers were lower back when it first started, we were on complete lockdown, complete lockdown. The numbers are actually higher now, even though it's on the way down, it's higher and we're a lot more open. What does that tell you? That we could have been a lot more open to start with. All right. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just sad. Uh, you know, one of my favorite places to eat went out of business here in Hawaii. Um, I'm seeing, like, uh, airlines, they're going out of business. I'm seeing entertainment companies going out of business. It's bad. It's really bad. I mean, it's movie theaters going out of business. Who would have thought? Right? And, but the worst side effect has actually been Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden came in here, and, they, and Joe Biden and the Democrats used covid to cheat in the elections. And make no doubt about it, that's what they did. They cheated, okay? You know, there's a lot of evidence out there. You got to, you just have to take a look at it and you'll find that things just don't make any sense whatsoever. But anyway, building back better. So these are the five talking points that uh, Joe Biden has actually said. Um, he kind of combined all of them up into one, like the assistant... Systemic racism, white supremacy, and domestic terrorism. But, again, it's really nothing. Like, like these, these talking points are really nothing. To solve it, all you have to do is stop talking about it. I mean, really. If you just stopped talking about climate change, you really wouldn't think anything was wrong. You really wouldn't. You know? I mean, how serious can you be about climate change if you appoint John Kerry to be in charge of it? Really? You, you want to hear a funny story? So I have a friend here. I have a friend, um, and I can, I'm not going to name any names here, but their relative uh, was hired by our mayor. 
um, again, and our mayor actually had created this, uh, uh, I guess, this climate change office, office of climate change. And they put this person um, in charge of, what is it? Flood mitigation. Flood mitigation. Okay, so this person was in charge of flood mitigation. And what, what, do you, what does that mean? Well, in case when the, the ocean level would rise, how would you actually mitigate those, that flood? Very important position if climate change were real. And the mayor said it's so important that he actually had pushed, made this you know, entire office right you know, over there for, to, to battle climate change. So what was this person's background? They worked at the YMCA giving, giving bike lessons. That was it. Something that important as flood mitigation, you had someone who was not a civil engineer or anything like that. They were a former a bike instructor at the YMCA. <laughs> That's it. That's how important it was. Climate change, it's not, they don't, they're not taking it serious. I mean, if there was really something serious, you would appoint, um, not John Kerry, but you would appoint maybe, uh, you know, some environmental scientist, right? Maybe who, someone who spent their entire livelihood studying climate change. No, they hire out a politician. Not a very good one at that. Anyway, guys. Okay, so I'm done with my podcast for today. Uh, it's a little short one, you know, it's a little short one, but uh, hope you enjoyed it. You know, sorry I didn't have more to talk about other than building back better, but uh, there's not much to be, you know, to talk about. You know, Joe Biden's kind of an empty blank slate there. Um, you know, anyway, that's how I'll end it. My advice right now is like, just hang in there, everyone. Biden is, uh, just hang in there. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. Biden is hopefully uh, not like uh, going to ruin the country. Oh, boy, I wish I could believe when I say that. But <laughs> more on that later on. I'll catch you guys around, buddy.